Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. Come on, can we take a moment and give Jesus all the praise this morning? Hey, it's all about Him. Come on, give Him a better praise than that today. Yeah. Hey, you guys are in the right place at the right time today, starting the year off right, worshiping the Lord, and it's going to be a great time together today. And I just want to start by letting you know what's around the corner, what's up and coming. And um, we have 21 days of prayer and fasting starting. Yeah. Um, It's going to be awesome starting on January 8th, and um, that'll be next Sunday we'll start. And so Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., we'll be here having prayer services, and on Saturday at 9 a.m., and there's going to be hundreds of people here, and I would just love to encourage you to come out and be a part of that. We have such an amazing time, such a great time to just reset, and uh, the holidays can kind of throw you off a little bit sometimes, but just get back in that rhythm of spending time with the Lord and Um, God's going to do amazing things in your life through that. Also, we're gearing up for our small group semester, and small group leader registration is open, so you can go ahead and register your group. Maybe you've led a group in the past and you want to lead that group again, or you're leading a different group this semester. Maybe you've never led a group before, but you're interested in leading a group. You just feel drawn to do that. Um, I just want you to know that if you decide to lead a group, we're not going to just throw you to the wolves. We have coaches available for you, and we also will have trainings for you as well, and we'll walk through that process with you, but you can register at cityhopefamily.com slash small group, so go ahead and get your group registered today, and with the way City Hope is growing, we need more small groups this semester than ever before to take care of more people than we've ever had before, and so um, we would love for you to lead, and then this one's one of my favorite. January 28th is the Saturate Conference, and that's our middle school and high school conference where we have a day of prayer and fasting, and we're going to give some biblical teaching, go a little bit deeper in the Word, and um, also going to fast and pray together that day. This year, we're going to be ending the day with a big party. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I don't know about you, I just love to see middle school and high school students praying and fasting and seeking after God, Um, God just moving in our students. Hey, it's amazing. You can register for that on uh, city uh, on our the church center app under the signups you can go ahead registration is available to now but today we're going to be starting a new series called my church and really in this series what we're going to be talking about are the values that pastor Ben and Annalise had in their heart when they came and launched City Hope Church really you could call them theological distinctions because they're not just things that they had made up in their mind and slapped down on a piece of paper they are things that can be found in the the word of God for what Jesus intended his church to be. And I don't know about you, but when I look around our world, I, I see things that make me feel like, um, not, not to cast shade by any means at any specific church, but that the church, the body of Christ as a whole, isn't always functioning the way that it should. Like it, the church, and sometimes it looks in ways that I don't think Jesus intended for it to look 
um, like one of the things that, that makes me feel that way is I constantly hear about people who are getting hurt by the church. Called, maybe you've heard it called church hurt. They get church hurt. And Jesus never intended for the church to be a place that hurts people. It's supposed to be a place that heals people. And if you're someone who's been hurt by a church, I just want to say I'm so sorry because that's not what Jesus intended for you. Um, and so through this series, we're getting back to what Jesus intended for his church to be. And we have some ways that we like to say what we think Jesus wants his church to be. And some of those things are that um, we think that the church shouldn't be a duty and it shouldn't be a drag to be here, but it should be a delight. Like you ought to enjoy coming to church. It should be something that you look forward to. Like this place isn't supposed to be a country club for Christians. And I've seen churches that are like that, but it's supposed to be a hospital for hurting people where people find healing. It's supposed to be a place where you belong here even long before you even believe. Like maybe you don't even believe in God, but there's still a place where you're here and you belong here while you're on that journey of service searching for God. Like maybe you, you don't even know yet, but you still belong here. That's what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a place that when you miss church, you actually missed being there. Like you actually wish that you could be there. Not like, yes, I get to miss church, right? Like you actually missed being there. Man, I wish I could go to church today. And so we're getting back to some of the things that I believe Jesus intended his church. And it comes out of Matthew chapter 16. And this is where the series is really comes out of where Jesus says, I will build my church. And that's why it's called my church. And um, so Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell, the gates of hell will not overcome it. So notice here where Jesus says my church. He doesn't say I will build the church or I will build a church. He makes it very personal. He calls it his own possession. And he says, I will build my church. Everybody say that with me. Say my church. He said, I'll build my church. And so because it's my church, that means that he cares a whole lot more about it than if it was just a church or the church or something. No, he's got some skin in the game because it's his. It's his possession. He belong, it belongs to him. And so he cares about it. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. And by the way, I hope that through this series that you'll do that, that you'll, you'll take ownership of the church and it will no longer be that, yeah, I go to that church down yonder, but I go, that, that's my church, okay? Because when it becomes my church, it'll mean a whole lot more to you. You'll get a whole lot more out of it. Um, but this message today is really built around this idea and it's all that we have is not all that God has. And what that really means is, is that God has more in store for you. Like maybe you've been in the church for a long time and you've been a Christian for a long time. God still has more, but there's a lot of people who they get just enough. And what I mean by that is they get just enough to get their fire insurance so that they don't have to go to hell. And they're like, hey, I'm on the way to heaven. I'm saved. That's enough. I don't need any more of God. I'm from Alabama and there they would say, um, all I care about is me, my four, and no more. That's what they say. Me, my four walls, my family, no one else. I'm saved. I'm on the way to heaven. I don't need any more of God. And so many people feel that way, but God has more. And we want to be the kind of church, this is what we're talking about today. We want to be the kind of church who is pursuing all that God has for us. Like, praise God if you're saved and you're on your way to heaven. But God has more. And for a lot of people, salvation is the end. They stop there. But salvation is supposed to be the beginning. The beginning of your journey, your faith journey of a relationship with 
God. And so God has more for you. I don't care if you've been in the church since the womb and you're old as Methuselah. It don't matter. God has more. He has more for you. And as I was preparing this message, um, I was reminded of a good friend of mine, Doug. And I was reminded of Doug because maybe you don't know Doug's story. Uh, he's sitting right here. Maybe you don't know Doug's story, but, and I'm not going to tell you his whole story because it's his to tell. But when I first met Doug, I'll never forget, we became fishing buddies when we first met. And we started fishing together. And as we were fishing, Doug would tell me stories just about his, his story growing up and his experiences with the church. And he told me a little bit about the church that he was raised in, the church that he grew up with. And he described to me that his church experience, it was very, it was very routine. It was very uh, methodical, maybe absent of relationship with God. It was just kind of the same old thing all the time. And I'll never forget Doug told me this one day. He said that he was sitting in church one day doing the same routine, the same thing. And as he was sitting there, there was a big cross on, on the stage, on the platform. And he was looking at that cross and he had the thought, he said, there's got to be more. Like, this can't be all that there is. There's got to be more. And he said he would look at that cross many times and he would think, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And that's where some of you are today is up until this point, you haven't gone deep and you haven't pursued all the things that God has in store of you. And maybe you're feeling like, is this really all that there is to this? And maybe you're thinking and feeling like there's got to be more. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about Doug because eventually he started going to City Hope when they first launched. And I don't remember if it was first or second Sunday, but he was there either the first or the second Sunday when they launched. And as soon as Growth Track was available, he went through the Growth Track and immediately began serving on our dream team, living his life for something bigger than himself, serving others, serving in the kingdom of God, making a difference. He got involved in small groups. He went through freedom small groups and the freedom conference that we provide. He, he, um, he, he began doing that. Eventually, he became a leader on our dream team. So now he's not just a member serving, but he's a leader over teams and he's leading and caring for people. He went through the City Hope Leadership Academy, a two-year ministry program that we provide. Got his ministry certification through the City Hope Leadership Academy. He got water baptized, everybody. He, he started taking these steps. And now to this day, Doug and his wife, Nicole, they're on staff here at City Hope Church, leading, pastoring, caring for people. And this coming semester, for the very first time, he's gonna be leading a small group to help men get free from sexual addiction. All of that because Doug believed God had more. Come on, let's give God praise for that. And I share that story to let you know that as a church, we believe that God has more. And we want to be the kind of people who are pursuing all that God has for us. And the Bible tells us here in 1 Corinthians, Paul is telling us this, he says, there's some things that God has for us that he's prepared for us, and no eye has seen them, no ear has heard about them, no one has even thought about it. Their minds haven't even conceived the things that God has prepared for you. And by the way, God has something prepared for each and every one of you, for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us. So there's some things that maybe you don't even know about that God has in store for you, but he reveals it to us by his spirit. And what Paul's talking about here is something that a lot of Christians maybe never tap into, and it's the Holy Spirit. But he says God reveals it to us by his spirit. 
And that, that's talking about the Holy Spirit. In, in the original Greek, the word Holy Spirit, we get the word pneuma. And that's where we get our word today that we, we call pneumonia, which is a, a breathing disorder. And, and pneuma means breath. It means wind. It means life. It, it means energy. And that's the word used to describe the Holy Spirit. And so you could almost imagine maybe you've been working on a hot Texas day one day and it's 110 degrees outside and the sun's beating down on you and you're sweating and it's dry, dry as cracker juice, as they'd say. Um, y'all, y'all never heard cracker juice? I guess it's just me. Dry as cracker juice. That's very dry, everybody. And so I thought that was going to be funny, man. Thank you. Uh, and so it's dry and you just feel tired and worn out. But then suddenly a nice, cool, refreshing breeze comes. You ever felt that? And you're like, oh, yes. And it gives you the energy to keep going, to keep moving. That's really the picture that the word pneuma gives us about the Holy Spirit. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And the Spirit searches the deep things of God. And that's what we're going to do today. Is we're going to go a little bit deeper in this message today. Um, uh, go a little bit deeper into the things that God has in store for us. And I don't know about you, but I'm the kind that I need the power of God in my life. Like, and that's what we said earlier is all that I have is not all that God has, that God has more. And if God has more, then I want to experience the more that he has for me. Come on, does anybody else want and need the power of God in their life? Well, Paul... Paul tells us that he does here. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, which by the way, Paul could have used wise and persuasive words because before he converted to Christianity, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, meaning he would have had large, large portions of the Bible, of the law memorized in his mind. He was a very intelligent person to do what he did, but he said he didn't want to rely on wise and persuasive words, but he wanted a demonstration of the Spirit's power He needed the power of God active in his life so that our faith would not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. He knew that he needed more than his intellect, more than his smarts, more than his studies. He needed the power of God at work in his life. And so today I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And to start with, what I'm going to do is give you just a small little theological teaching about the more that God has in store for you. And then after that, we're going to make it personal and talk about how we can apply it in our lives. And I just want to keep it really simple today so that you can leave knowing what you need to do, the next step that you need to take. And so there's three things that God has in store for us, for each of us. And to use the theological word, what I'm going to talk about are three Three separate baptisms, baptism experiences. Now, most of us, when we hear the word baptism, we automatically think about the moment that you were sprinkled or that maybe you were immersed in water, that, that baptism moment. That's what we think of. But when we look at the original Greek word for baptism, we get the word baptizo. And it actually doesn't have anything to do with water. It doesn't even mean water or immersed in water. All it simply means is to be immersed To put it in our terminology today, it would mean to go all in, to go all in to what God has for you. And so there's three separate baptism experiences that I want to talk about. And here's the first one, and it's the baptism into the body of Christ. 
And what this is, is it's the experience of salvation. Now, we are baptized into Jesus, into his body, the moment we believe and we give our lives to Christ. And maybe you've never heard salvation put this way, but salvation is a baptism experience where you come into Christ and we are baptized in his body into the family of God. Now, Jesus is the best part about salvation. We get to have a relationship with Jesus, but he also offers to us his family. He says, hey, you get to come be a part of my family, the family of God, the body of Christ. And it's so important that we are baptized into the body and that we become a part of the body. And that's why we're here today worshiping together is because we're a family and we're the family of God. We're a body, the body of Christ. And there's some people that want it to be just me and Jesus, but Jesus never intended it to be a, a solo journey. That's why he calls us the family of God. It's why he calls us the body of Christ. And we see it here in Galatians or in 1 Corinthians. It says that we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, the body of Christ, by one spirit, the spirit of Jesus, into one body, the body of Christ. And then Galatians tells us that we are all children of God. And the word children refers to a family, right? We're children to God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. That's the first, the first baptism experience, baptism into the body of Christ and its salvation. The second one is water baptism. And this is where we give a public declaration of my faith. I tell the world that I am a follower of Christ through the act of water baptism. Now, it's very important that we don't put the two together because there's some denominations that would teach you that you cannot even be saved until you are water baptized. But that's just not true because to, to think that would violate the scripture that says we are saved by grace through our faith not of works, because if you were saved by works, then man would be able to boast about it. So Jesus didn't attach any works to salvation. And so to say that being water baptized saves you means that you have to do something. And Jesus wanted salvation to be a free gift, no strings attached. And this can be kind of dangerous because I know someone who was close to me, very close to me, who grew up this way. They were raised in a church that taught this, that you, you weren't saved until water baptism. And they got saved as in they confessed their, they believed in Jesus, confessed their life to Jesus, began following Jesus. And for logistical reasons for a year, they weren't able to be baptized in water. And they told me that for that whole year, they were thinking, oh, I got to hurry up and get water baptized so I can be saved. Like, Lord help, hope something doesn't happen. Something doesn't happen. I got to get saved. And they, because they didn't make it to the water yet. Like, could you imagine someone go all in, they believe in Jesus, they give their life to Christ, but they just haven't made it to the tank yet, right? They just haven't got there, and something happens, and you're standing before the throne, and he says, yeah, well, I know you believed and you followed me, but you just didn't get in the tank. Sorry, gotta go. Like, I just don't think that's the way it works, everybody. Like, that is a work. That's a work. And, and, and sal that's not how salvation works. Jesus didn't want any strings attached to salvation. He wanted it to be a gift, a free gift. And so you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. You don't have to be water baptized to go to heaven, but you should be water baptized because it's part of the more 
that God has in store for you. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 that those who accepted his message, they accepted the salvation, the first baptism, they were also baptized. They were baptized in water. And so, it, but it is so important that we are baptized, that we let other people know that we go public with our faith, that we have a relationship with God. Again, there's some people who think that it's just me and Jesus and my faith is private. My relationship with God is private. It's no one else's business anyways. And so I'm just going to keep it to myself. But let me tell you this, you need to be baptized for the same reason that you have a wedding. You need to be baptized for the same reason that you wear a wedding band. Like this wedding band right here doesn't make me married, but it tells all of you that I am, okay? Like it tells everyone who I come in contact with, I'm taken, I'm in a relationship, I'm not available, okay? And so that would be like, me not getting water baptized would be like me going to my wife, Danielle, and saying, hey, Danielle, I know we're married and everything, um, but I've decided I think that our marriage should be private. I don't want anyone else to know about our relationship. So I'm not going to wear a wedding ring anymore. I'm changing my relationship status on Facebook back to single. I'm taking all the pictures down of us. But you know I really, really love you. But no one else needs to know. Nobody else needs to know. Like, this is just between me and you, baby. Like, it's just private. So no one else needs to know, right? That would not work out very well, right? And let's be honest, if she told me that, I wouldn't be real happy either. I'd be kind of upset too. And so what I'm saying is that it's so important that when you make a lifelong commitment, especially to the one who bled and died on the cross for your sins, it's so important that when you make a lifelong commitment that you go public with it and you let other people know. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 10 that whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven, but those who disown me before men, I will also disown before my Father in heaven. And so I would strongly encourage you, to those of you who have experienced the first baptism of salvation, but you haven't experienced water baptism, to do that, to take that step. And typically we provide water baptism the first Sunday of every month, but today being New Year's Day, um, we, there's a lot of people still traveling, and we didn't want anyone to miss out on their next step. So we'll have that available next week. And you don't have to sign up. All you have to do is show up. We have everything you need. We would love to celebrate that moment with you next week. And here's the third one, and it's baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this is about living a Spirit-empowered life. It's the third baptism experience that the Bible shows us. And again, this is separate from salvation. They're not put together. Salvation, God did not want to complicate salvation. And so you, you don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. But again, it's part of the more that God has for you. And uh, once again, there's some denominations who would tell you, you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit or you can't go to heaven. In other words, they would say, if, if you don't speak in tongues, you aren't really saved. You can't go to heaven. And, and that's just not true. Because that would be a work. And God wanted salvation to be a free gift. But I want to take a minute and I want to show you all three of these baptisms in a story from the book of Acts. And it's going to be in Acts chapter 8. And we're starting in verse 5 and then going to verse 12. And it's, what, what's happening here is Philip went down to a city in Samaria to preach about Jesus there. To preach the good news. And as he was preaching, there was people who believed. 
And this belief here is the first experience. They experience salvation when they believe. Philip, as he preached the, the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, and after they experienced the first baptism of salvation, then they were baptized. They did the water baptism. Second experience, both men and women. They, they both took that step. And then it goes on in, in verse 14 we pick up and it says, the apostles in Jerusalem heard about what was going on in Samaria, that people were getting saved, accepting the word of God. And so they sent Peter and John to them. So they're seeing that all these people are getting saved. And so they're sending Peter and John to go check it out. And when Peter and John arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the third baptism, which was the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not come upon any of them yet. They had not experienced that third experience. And it gives us a little more explanation here. It says they had just simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. They had just simply believed and been water baptized and, and not the third baptism experience. And so they walk them through it. And they said, it says, then Peter and John placed their hands on them, prayed for them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And so it gets kind of quiet whenever we start talking about the Holy Spirit because there's a lot of people who have some misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've had a bad experience at a church with a bunch of weird people doing weird stuff um, involving the Holy Spirit, and you said, I'm just going to stay as far away from that as I can, okay? That's weird. But can I just say, we can be Spirit-filled without being spooky. We can be Spirit-filled and not be weird. Like, we are here. I stand here today. I am. This church, that's what we are here at City Hope. We are a spirit-empowered church, but we're not weird. We're not spooky. And, and so it's possible to be spirit-filled without being weird. And the Bible tells us in 1 John 5, it says, There are three that bear witness in heaven. And this is talking about the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Word, talking about Jesus. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word the word was with God. The word was God. It's referring to Jesus. So we've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. So it's talking about the Holy Spirit in heaven, or it's talking about the Trinity in heaven. And then there are three that bear witness on the earth. There's the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. So what is the Spirit, the water, and the blood? Well, the blood is the first baptism experience, salvation, the blood of Jesus that washes away our sins. The water is the second baptism experience, public declaration of faith when I'm baptized in water. And the spirit is the third baptism experience, which is baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that these three agree as one. The question is, do they agree with you as one? Do you agree with them as one? Have you received them as one? And so there's a lot of people who get standoffish when it comes to going all in to everything that God has for you when it comes to the Holy Spirit, right? And I was thinking about our church because when people come to church here for the first time, I typically hear a few different responses and I hear the same one from multiple people. They all say the same thing. Most people say, oh, I just loved it. When we walked through the doors, there was just, I don't know how to explain it, but there was just a feeling. There was just this energy, this excitement. And I, I don't know how to explain it, but it just felt wonderful. It felt amazing. And we immediately knew this would be our church the moment that we walked in the doors. 
Well, can I tell you what it is? It's not complicated. It's the Holy Spirit. It's that we are a spirit-empowered church that's not weird, okay? We are spirit-filled, but we're not weird. And that's all that it is. And that's what sets us apart is that we are spirit-filled. We're pursuing all that God has. We're not comfortable with where we are. Come on, somebody. We're pursuing all that God has for us. And so here's the thing is that if so many people have had such a positive experience with a spirit-empowered church, then why are so many people reluctant to go all in? And I've got three reasons why I believe that most people are reluctant to pursue everything that God has for them. And the first reason is that some people are just uninformed. It's not that they're rejecting it. It's not that they disagree. It's just they just don't know. They just didn't know about it. They don't know what they don't know. And if you're one of those people here today, you're in good company. Because when we look in the book of Acts, we see people who did not know about the Holy Spirit. We look at Acts chapter 19, and it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And when he got there, he found some disciples talking about some Christian people. And I believe there's some Christian people here in the room today. And he asked those people the same question. And as I read it, I'm asking you the same question that Paul is asking them. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And that's what I'm asking you today. You're a Christian. You've experienced the, the first the first step, but did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they answered, they said, no, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. We never even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. We didn't know. So, so here we got some Christian people who they're not pursuing all that God has, not, not for any other reason other than they just didn't know. They just didn't know about it. And so there's some people who they're just uninformed. No other reason. They're not rejecting it. They just don't know what they don't know. But then the second reason is a little more dangerous, and it's that some people have grown apathetic. And where we get this word apathetic is from two Latin words, apathos, meaning without passion. And it's dangerous to be without passion. And there's some people who they just have no passion for God. And this is the attitude that I've got enough I'm saved, I've got my fire insurance, I'm on the way, on the way to heaven, and I, I don't need any more. I'm good where I'm at. I'm, I'm complacent, I'm comfortable. But can I just tell you today, if that's you, we can't afford to be apathetic. We can't afford to live apathetic lives, especially in the days and the times that we are living in. We need the power of God in our lives. We need all that God has for us in our lives. And so we can't just be the kind of people who just come to church a couple of times a year, you know, CEOs, Christmas and Easter's only. We can't just be those kind of people. We've got to go all in to what God has for our lives. And so in this world that we're living in, we don't need the Holy Spirit just for fun. It's not about fun. It's about function. It's about functioning and living the lives that God has called us to live, and we need his power. And the Bible tells us in Romans 12 that we should never be lacking in zeal. And this word really just means passion. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. Be passionate. Don't live apathetic lives and the last one is that some people are afraid. They have fear in their lives. So it's not, that they're, it's not that they're apathetic. It's not that they're uninformed. They're scared. And maybe that's you today. And can I just say, that was me for a long time. When I first felt called into the ministry, I was scared to go all in. 
because I thought that if I went all in, I thought God was going to ruin my life. I thought it wasn't going to, my life wasn't going to turn out the way I wanted it to turn out as if I knew better than God, right? And I was afraid. I saw, you know, I was a pastor's kid. I was raised in a pastor's home and I saw how that was. And I said, no, uh, I don't want none of that. People are mean to you if you're in the ministry. That's what I thought. And, and so I thought, I don't want none of that. I don't want any of that. It's not, and maybe that's where you're at today. You know the step that you need to take, but you're afraid that if you take that step, it's going to ruin your life. And can I just tell you, if that's you, because it was me, the devil has lied to you and you've believed it because the Bible tells us in James that every good and perfect gift comes from God coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And so if it's good, it's from God. And if it's bad, it's not. That God doesn't have the ability to produce bad things in your life. So you don't have to be afraid to pursue all that God has for you. And so as we get to the, the end of those three things, I just want to take a moment and I want to give you a personal invitation into something that we've been doing as a church since day one. And it's called the one year challenge. And here's what we like to say is give us a year of your life. And really what we're saying is give God a year of your life is go all in, go all in to what God has for you. And what better day to do it than today? January 1st, 2023. Come on, somebody. What better day to do it than right now? To go all in and say, I'm gonna pursue all that God has for my life. And here's a church, we provide, we provide a lot of things that will help you pursue what God has for your life. And I'm just gonna tell you, I, as I was preparing this message and I was talking about give God a year of your life, I'm, I was praying and I said, God, I'm giving you a year of my life because I've, I've been in church my whole life. I'm a pastor, but can I tell you that what I have is not enough? Can I tell you that what I have, God has more. God has more for me. And so I said, God, I'm giving you a year of my life this year because I want my life to look different. I want to be closer to you, God. I want to have a stronger relationship with you, God. And so I'm giving you this year. And I'm challenging you to give God a year of your life. If you, can, if you can, go through the growth track starting next week, step one. Do what Doug did. Go through the growth track. Join the dream team and begin to serve and, and make a difference in the kingdom of God. Get involved in a small group. We recommend Freedom Small Group. Go through Freedom Small Group. Get involved in a small group. If you can be here at church on Sunday, if you're physically able to get here, be here. Try not to miss a single Sunday. And y'all are like, Caleb, you're getting a little, little too much now. A single Sunday. I got plans on Sunday. The Cowboys play on Sunday. Cancel your plans. Prioritize. Prioritize what matters and give God a year of your life. Get in a small group. Come to church. Come to 21 days of prayer and pray with us at 6 a.m. If you can fast something, fast something and see what God will do. See what God will do if you give him a year of your life. Because I can guarantee you this is that your life will dramatically change if this is the best year of your life spiritually. So give God a year. And next year at this time, if you go all in, 
you won't even recognize who you are today. You'll say, look what the Lord has done in me. And so I wanna close today with this story from Ezekiel, and it's a prophetic vision, a story that Ezekiel tells us about. And it says, there's a man, he went eastward with a measuring line in his hand. You can imagine a measuring tape. And he measured off a thousand cubits, and then he led me through water that was ankle deep. And so he measured it out, and he said, come with me. And he, he walked out, and he walked into water that was ankle deep. And that's where some of you are today, is you've taken the first step. You've taken the step of salvation, but you've just been hanging out in the ankle deep water. And you haven't been going any deeper. Some of you, that's your step that you need to take. You're standing on the bank, you're standing on the shoreline, and you haven't even stepped into the water yet. It's a picture of salvation. And so he brings him into the ankle deep water, and then he measured off another thousand cubits, and he led me through water that was now knee deep. So notice he's calling him a little bit deeper. He's saying, go a little bit deeper. Come a little bit deeper. And that's what I'm doing today is I'm, I'm trying to call you deeper. Some of you need to take that next step and go a little bit deeper. You need to be water baptized. You need to be water baptized next week and you need to go public with your relationship with God. You need to tell the world about your relationship with Jesus through water baptism. And it doesn't stop there because he, he pulls the measuring line out again, another thousand cubits, and he led me through water that was now up to the waist because there's, there's, there's deeper waters, because God has more. And, and some of you need to go from, maybe you've been water baptized, but you need to go through Freedom Group this semester. You need to begin serving on the dream team so that you can live your life for something bigger than yourself. You need to go a little bit deeper. And I just wanna say this, you could never go through a small group and never serve on the dream team and still go to heaven. You can, but God has more. And don't settle for where you are. You will never experience the best parts of God until you go all in. And so the man now measured off another thousand cubits, but now it was to a river that I could not cross. And because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, it was a river that no one could cross. And so when he goes into this water, what happens is his feet can't touch. He's just floating. And if you're floating in a river, if you've ever done that before, you go where the current takes you. So what that is a picture of is you lose control. And some of you are in that place. You said, God, I want you and I want, I want everything you have for me, but you better behave yourself. And I stay in control and I make the decisions. And you'll never experience the best parts of God until you release control to him. Because when you release control to him and you go all in, like this picture tells us, you go all in, there will, the Bible said there would be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and it makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. And so until you get into the river that's flowing, that carries you, you won't experience the life that God has for you because that is where everything lives, is in the deeper waters where the river flows. And so we don't wanna be a church who's just complacent who stays in the ankle deep water and never goes after what God has for us. Wouldn't it be a shame if we made it to heaven and we realized that God had more. God had more that we, that we missed out on. We wanna be a church who is pursuing all that God has, amen? Hey, let's pray together. If you would bow your heads with me, close your eyes and maybe you're interested in the Holy Spirit 
If that's you today, you want to learn more about the Holy Spirit, I would strongly encourage you to get involved in our freedom groups because we teach you all about the Holy Spirit and we walk you through that process. But maybe you're here today and and you're standing on the shoreline. You haven't even stepped into the waters. I want to invite you into the ankle deep water today because that's your next step in pursuing all that God has for you. All of us have a step to take. But right now, I want to focus on those who have not yet experienced the first baptism. You haven't even stepped into the ankle-deep water. And if that's you today, you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart, drawing you, compelling you to take a step into the waters today. I want to give you an opportunity to experience the first baptism into the body of Christ, and that is salvation. And you say, Caleb, what do I have to do to be saved? All you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Confess him as your Lord and you will be saved. No works attached. No strings attached. But you got to make a decision. And if that's you today and you feel the Holy Spirit calling you, drawing you, pulling you into the deep, into the ankle deep water, that first step, you want to pursue all that God has for you. And this is your step today on the count of three. I want you to lift your hand. If that's you, you want to say yes to Jesus. One, two, three. Let me see your hand if that's you. Anyone else today? I want to give my life to Christ. I'm going all in, pursuing all that God has for me. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Let's pray this prayer together. Say this. Say, Jesus. I surrender all. I give my life to you. All that I have is not all that you have. And I need your power in my life. So I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord, that you died on the cross and you rose again to set me free from sin. Today, I choose you. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, church, let's give Jesus all the praise.